Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kasim. <laughs> I almost forgot to say my name. <laughs> Today it's Halloween. Not really, Spooky. but it will be when this comes out. <laughs> Don't ruin the cinema magic. This is the cinema, obviously. <laughs> it might as well be right now. <laughs> We're doing just as much streaming as Disney. I mean, yes. <laughs> Although we don't charge twelve dollars a month plus t- like thirty more dollars for a movie available on the same streaming service. Yeah, I was gonna say making ended. just as much making just as much in ticket sales. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Someone call the ambulance. Somebody just to get to the burn unit. Does everybody get? Is everybody tired of that joke or? Not? <laughs> I think it's funny. I, good. My favorite is actually the uh, "You better have burn heel" Pokemon version. <laughs> That is more appropriate in this setting with this audience, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> anyway, today we'll be discussing chapters 10 and 11. Yay. Yay. I got my manga open already. I'm ready to read along. Ready for story time. Yes. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we're going to do our uh, summary and then discuss as cool. we as we do. I have a lot to say. That's not true. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have a lot to say. Good. Because I have to do the summary. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good joke. It was almost as good as calling the ambulance to go to the burn, burn unit. <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> that was a good joke. It's almost as good as my joke. Exactly. Now you explained the humor. Now it's not funny anymore. <laughs> good. Right, well, now that we've uh, killed our careers as no uh, one's listening comedians. <laughs> Well, I haven't yet. I'm I'm saving up. I've got a oh, okay. good joke coming. Just you wait. All right. <laughs> I'm waiting. Could get us with a zinger halfway through. <laughs> halfway through the episode, he'd be like, "Somebody better call the burn unit." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's, let's on, start. Get on into this summary. You should really call them like a recap. It's not really a summary. Yeah, it's definitely not short. We've never summarized anything in our no. entire <laughs> podcasting career. I feel like the very first episode or this first maybe few of the other podcasts were like a little bit shorter, but mm-hmm. then it became the recap that we know and love. Yeah. The fully detailed recap that mm-hmm. we know and love. <laughs> the telling so that it's fresh yeah. that we know and love. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So in our recap, <laughs> chapter 10 opens with Ed and Al excitedly arriving in Central. They're met by two other members of the military, Second Lieutenant Maria Ross and Sergeant Denny Brosh, who are taking over bodyguard duty from Armstrong, much to Ed's dismay. But they explain, (laughs) as they escort the boys to the library by car, that Scar is still at large. Well, I guess we're stuck with you, Ed sighs. Don't you mean thank you for your help, big brother? Al scolds. (laughs) They then ask why Al wears armor, and the two not very convincingly claim that it's a hobby. (laughs) They are only spared further questioning by their timely arrival at the library. They get out of the car, and Ross and Brosh begin extolling the virtues of the National Central Library. It houses more books than any other library in the nation. The first branch, where you two are headed, is just to the west of here. Research data, historical records, and lists of names were stored there. However, and horror grows on Ed's face as he looks on, just yesterday the entire collection was incinerated. We haven't completed our investigations, but it appears to have been arson. His face looks so disappointed. I know. It's so sad. <laughs> he was so happy two pages ago. I know. 
Back at the East headquarters, Roy Mustang is walking through the halls with Havoc and Hawkeye when he is stopped by General Halcrow, who demands to know why the scar issue hasn't been dealt with yet and warns him not to make a laughingstock of the East military. Did he come out here from New Optane just to talk smack? Havoc asks <laughs> once the general has left, but Roy is unconcerned. He's just bitter that a youngster like me has reached the rank of colonel, and he's paranoid that I'm going to take his position one day. In the privacy of his office, Roy admits that he does want to take care of the scar situation soon, both to prevent future unrest from springing up and because solving a problem even Central was struggling with will make him look real good. <laughs> I'll do anything that will help me in my promotion until the day that I become Fuhrer and gain complete military power. Sorry, don't you mean Fuhrer precedent? Yes, if you're a president. <laughs> it may be wise to refrain from rash statements, Hawkeye tells him, but she and Havoc are both smiling. Roy says he'll try to be more careful. On the roof above them, Gluttony waits for Lust, who has just arrived back in town. She asks him if there's any sign of Scar, but he says he's not nearby. Then he asks how her trip was, and she confirms that she was the one to burn the library down to prevent Ed from getting to the data. She adds that there's no need to watch him anymore since he's in Central, and so she came back to check on things here. She starts to ask another question, but is interrupted by Gluttony suddenly standing up and sniffing the air. I smell him, he says. I smell an Ishvalan cloaked in the scent of blood. Very good, Gluttony, Lust says, smiling. Can I eat him? he asks. Don't leave a single hair. Down in some very spacious sewers, Scar is spending <laughs> some quality time with some rat buddies until Gluttony suddenly <laughs> appears in the water behind him and grins a frightening grin. Gluttony rushes forward and Scar turns to meet him with his destructive hand at the ready. Outside, there's a large explosion. It was truly eerie yeah <laughs> <laughs> when he shows up in the sewer you're like oh no and then the, the page flip and you're like oh no yeah, <laughs> yeah just like the glowing eyes and the eyes. grin <laughs> yes looking even more the grin like made him more anyway it's fine it made him more creepy than than usual <laughs> back at the unburned part of the library Ed now sadly confirmed with the lady at the information desk that marco's work was indeed in the destroyed branch and turned to leave in despair but hope is not all lost. The library employees remember a former co-worker who may be able to help, Sheska. Who's that? Ed asks. Someone who knows a lot about the books of the branch? You could say that, the library worker answers. <laughs> She's a real bookworm. They go to check out the address, but don't get an answer. But the light is on and the door is unlocked, so someone must be home. When they tentatively open the door, they find a home literally filled wall to wall with haphazard stacks of books. <laughs> very, very haphazard, because they eventually find Sheska buried under a collapsed pile. When they dig her out, she confirms that she's the Sheska they were looking for, and then shares her own tragic backstory. She loves books so much that she was ecstatic to get a job at the library, but she wound up reading on the job instead of working so often that she was fired. She needs to work to put her sick mother in a better hospital, but she's no good at anything but reading, so she can never keep a job. I'm the most useless person in the world, the scum of society, she sobs. Is she alright, Ed wonders. <laughs> he carefully cuts into the mope session to ask if she knows anything about any research documents by Tim Marco. After a moment of thought, she confirms that she does. They were handwritten, and someone had filed them incorrectly, so she remembers them very clearly. Ed and Al then take over the mope session at this confirmation that the research notes were definitely in the branch that burned down, but Sheska mm -hmm. then offers to reproduce the notes, much to their shock. I have a photographic memory. All I have to do is read something once, and I can recall everything, she explains. It will take some time, but would you like me to transcribe them for you? The boys are ecstatic. Thank you, bookworm, Ed cries, gratefully <laughs> grasping her hand. <laughs> Said no one ever again. <laughs> Five days later, and they have the results. A huge volume of notes meticulously replicated from the original documents. Tim Marco's recipe book, A Thousand Meals for Daily Living. Everyone is momentarily shocked. Ross and Brosh read over the notes, and sure enough, it's just full of recipes. They badger Sheska a bit, but she insists that she copied the notes down exactly as she remembered them. There must have been someone else writing under the same name, Brosh concludes. I'm sorry, you two. It looks like this was all a waste of time. But Ed and Al are thoroughly examining the recipes for themselves. 
You're sure this is a flawless reproduction of Mr. Marco's notes, down to the last word and phrase, Ed asks, and Sheska, and Sheska confirms that there are no mistakes. Ed grins. You're amazing. Thanks a lot, he tells her. They start to haul the notes down to the library to get to work, and then Ed remembers he should pay Sheska for her work. He hands Ross his pocket watch's ID and a slip of paper with his signature and pin, and tells her to go to the alchemist's office and withdraw the amount he's written down on the paper from his research grant and give it to Sheska. Judging by Ross and Sheska's shocked expressions, it's a huge sum of money. <laughs> Back at the library, Ed and Al explained to Brosh that alchemists tend to keep their research notes in code to keep the knowledge from falling into the wrong hands. So though Marco's notes may look like a recipe book, they've just got to decipher the code to get to the alchemical information contained within. Brosh asked how, how they can decipher a code that's known only to the person who wrote it. With knowledge, inspiration, patience, and good old-fashioned hard work, Ed declares. One week later, that hard work has not gotten them very far, as they groan miserably over their pile of notes and research. <laughs> Al suggests just asking Marco himself for help, but Ed refuses. I see this as Marco's challenge. It's like he's saying, those who can't even break this simple code have no right to know the truth. I'm going to decipher it on my own no matter what. But I still don't have a clue. <laughs> they are interrupted by the arrival of Sheska, who has come to thank them for the payment she received. She was able to transfer her mother to an excellent hospital, but she still feels a little bad about accepting so much money. Ed waves her off and says the secrets in the data will be more than worth the cost. She asks how the code breaking is going, and they despair. And they ask her how the job search is going, and she despairs. <laughs> As she goes to leave, Sheska thanks them again, saying it's about more than just the money. Just being able to help out when she usually feels so useless made her really happy. And Al assures her that her passion and amazing memory are both great qualities. They're then further interrupted by the arrival of Hughes, who just heard <laughs> they were in Central. <laughs> yeah, Hughes. <laughs> who just heard they were in Central and dropped by to check in. Ross and Brosh are slightly alarmed that these weird kids they're watching are on such friendly terms with someone so high-ranked. The boys apologize for not letting him know that they were in town like they promised, explaining they've been busy. Hughes says that he's been completely swamped as well. There have been so many incidents lately that the court martial office he's in charge of has been nonstop busy, and to make matters worse, they use the first branch of the library to store the records, so the fire has really slowed them down. Ed and Al stare at Hughes, then turn to stare at Cheska. <laughs> she nervously confirms that she did read and remember the military records as well, and Hughes quickly and eagerly agrees to hire her, literally dragging her out of the room with a laugh to get started on the paperwork while Cheska shouts more thank yous to Ed and Al as she goes. <laughs> In a much better mood, Ed and Al get back to their work. Some days later, Ross and Brosh go to fetch Ed and Al from the research as the library closes for the day. They've been at it for ten straight days now and still no progress, Ross notes with a frown. But today they enter to find them in a dark mood. This can't be, Ed shouts, jumping to his feet aggressively enough to knock his chair to the floor. Across the table, Al covers his face with his hand. Ross and Brosh try to get them to calm down, asking if they're fighting or just so frustrated by not being able to decipher the code. We did decipher it, Al says darkly, looking down. Brosh starts to say that that's a good thing, but Ed drops to the floor, slamming his fist as he sits. There's nothing good about it, damn it, he shouts. With a hand over his face, he continues, this really is the work of the devil. Damn it, Marco, what the hell were you doing? What's wrong, Brosh asks. The main ingredient for the Philosopher's Stone, Ed says, gritting his teeth, is a living human being. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that would be our cliffhanger ending if we weren't also covering chapter 11. <laughs> 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 chapter 11 opens right where we left off, and Ed elaborates to a stunned Ross and Brosh that if the data is correct, it would actually take multiple victims to create one single stone. Horrified that their military would be behind such a thing, Ross and Brosh begin to talk about seeing the deed punished, but Ed but Ed begs them not to tell anyone and to act like they never heard what they just heard. Back in the East, Roy and the gang are investigating the sewer explosion from Scar and Gluttony's fight. Hawkeye fishes out a familiar-looking jacket, which they confirm has to be Scar's, but there's no sign of a body yet. Hawkeye points out that with the amount of blood on the jacket, he can't be in good shape, even if he's not dead. But Roy says they can't let their guard down yet, and orders the excavation crew to speed things up. 
watching over it all or lust and gluttony. Gluttony is very upset that Scar got away and he couldn't eat him, and Lust says, there, there, maybe next time. She agrees with Hawkeye's assessment that he won't be getting very far in his condition, and then announces that she'll be returning to Central. I have to inform Father, she says. I have to inform Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) We also return to Central to find Ed and Al have retreated to the rooms to brood over the horrific truth they've uncovered. Ed sadly says that he's just tired of this. It's like, just when I think our goal is within reach, it slips through our fingers. He reaches up toward the ceiling with his automail arm and then closes his hand in a fist. And now, when we actually have it in our grasp, the truth slaps us in the face. He lets his arm fall and laughs humorously. I guess God really does have it in for us sinners. He wonders aloud if they're going to stay like this for the rest of their lives, then falls silent for a bit. And then he says, Hey Al, there's something I've been meaning to talk to you about, but I've been too afraid to bring up. Al asks what it is, but Ed hesitates. And then he no longer has the chance because a booming presence (laughs) has made itself known. I heard all about it, Edward Elric, Armstrong announces, literally breaking their door down. <laughs> such a tragedy. Who would have imagined the Philosopher's Stone concealed such a terrible secret? Not only that, if this hellish research was being conducted by an organization working under the military, then it is a grave situation indeed. I cannot in good conscience keep quiet about this matter. Ed glares at Ross and Brush, but though they tried their best, there was no standing up to Armstrong and his armstrong <laughs> Truth can be so cruel, Armstrong sobs, and Ed suddenly has a realization. He reminds Al of what Marco said to them at the train station about finding the truth that lies within the truth. So there must be something more, he says. A little later, Armstrong is laying out a map of the city and explaining that there are four alchemical research labs within Central, and Marco had been assigned to Laboratory 3. Ed, with a frown, notes that he visited that lab back when he first got his license, but didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. Then something else on the map catches his eye, and he points and asks what this building is. Ross, consulting some further information, says it used to be a fifth laboratory, but it was shut down years ago and is now off-limits due to danger of collapse. That's our place, Ed says, and when asked how he's so sure, he points out that there's a prison next to it. If the main ingredient for creating a Philosopher's Stone is live human beings, then they need a reliable supply of raw materials. He adds that the bodies of executed criminals aren't returned to their families. They all take in those grim implications for a moment, and then Brosh wonders if the involvement of the prison system means that the government itself is also in on it, though they conclude it's impossible to know just how high it goes until they know more. Ross thinks that she and Brosh may have gotten in over their heads, and Al points out that that is why they told them to forget everything. <laughs> Al then asks Armstrong, who's in charge of the military's research department, and he responds that it's Brigadier General Basque Grand, also known as the Iron-Blooded Alchemist. Unfortunately, they can't just ask him directly, as he was one of Scar's recent victims. Armstrong points out that Scar has killed many state alchemists who were affiliated with military command, and one of them may have known the truth. And if someone higher ranked than the Brigadier General is involved, then things may truly be complicated. He rolls up the map and promises to investigate on his own and report back when he knows more. He orders Ross and Brosh to keep quiet and the Elric brothers to stay put. When they protest, he gives them a stern look. You two were going to sneak into that building to investigate, weren't you? Don't even think of it. It's far too dangerous for children like you to go in alone, even if there may be a clue to regaining your original bodies. The boys back down, assuring him that they would never do something so dangerous and that they'll wait right there for his report. The boys then immediately break this promise, sneaking away to the fifth laboratory that very night. They notice that the lab is suspiciously well-guarded for an abandoned building, and then debate for a bit on how to get in. The front gate is a no-go, and the light from a transmutation might catch attention. So Al heaves Ed up onto the outer wall, and with the protection of their metal bodies, Ed lowers some barbed wire for Al to climb up after him. The next barrier is that the inner entrance is also barred, but fortunately there's a vent entrance that Ed is just small enough to fit into, though Al has to stay outside. Their trespassing does not go unnoticed, however, as two armored figures in the dark discuss the new arrivals. I'll let you have the little one, one of them declares, brandishing a large cleaver. I'll turn the big one into mincemeat. 
On the inside, Ed barely avoids calling himself small as he traverses the narrow passage <laughs> and then kicks out an interior grate on the vent to let himself into the building proper. He notices that some lighting is still turned on and takes this as further confirmation that the lab is not as abandoned as the military claims. Back outside, Al is suddenly attacked by the figure who claimed him earlier. <laughs> Al dodges, and the figure praises him for his speed. He has a skull-like helm to his armor and wields, a long and wields a long knife alongside the cleaver we saw earlier. He cheerfully introduces himself as number 66. At least that's the name they gave me when I got this job, he says, and claims that hearing his real name would terrify Al. I'll tell you as I finish you off, he adds, laughing madly. Inside, Ed has found an eerie room. A large transmutation circle covers the floor, with blood stains at each vertex. What is this place? Could this be where they transmute the Philosopher's Stone? He wonders aloud. And to his surprise, he gets an answer. It is, confirms the other armored figure, stepping out of the shadows. I don't know who you are, but you seem to know much about the stone. Too much. This one introduces himself as number 48, and he explains that he's been ordered to eliminate any trespassers. I'm sorry to have to do this, kid, he says. Ed transmutes his arm blade and prepares for a fight, but number 48 is incredibly fast, closing the distance between them and striking rapidly with his sword. He makes contact with Ed's right shoulder and takes note of the fact that his automail extends that far. Too bad for you, my trusted blade can cut through even steel, he declares. Not today it won't, Ed says. If I break this again, Winry's gonna kill me. Ed settles into the speed of the fight and holds his own for a bit, even managing to land a hard kick on 48's stomach, but a look of shock passes over his face at the echoing noise that follows. I know that sound, he says, a nervous grin growing on his face. Could it be that you're hollow inside? Very good, 48 says, shouldering his blade. How did you know? Ed says that he spars with someone like that all the time, and he could tell just by the feel. 48 is surprised to learn that there are others like him on the outside. It makes me sick, Ed says, knowing that there are idiots out there besides me who would even think of binding a soul to a suit of armor. 48 decides to share a little more about himself, since Ed already figured out the big secret. 48 was his number on death row, and before that, he was a serial killer known as Slicer. Officially, he was executed two years ago, but his new employers decided there was a better use for him. Now he guards the lab in this new form. Ed surmises that he must also have a seal binding his soul to the armor like Al, and 48 even goes so far as to show it to him, lifting, his face plate, lifting the faceplate of his helmet to reveal the blood seal at the back. Destroy this and you win, he says. Ed says it's awfully nice of him to show off his weak point, and 48 laughs and says he likes the thrill of danger when he fights. And asked if he wouldn't also be nice enough to just let him go, but no mm -hmm. such luck. A serial killer would never sit still and let his prey escape, would he? He brandishes his sword one he brandishes his sword once more. And now here I come. And that's our cliffhanger. That's because that's the cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phil Malchemist is beginning to show its uh shonen-ness with a <laughs> multi-chapter fight scene. So Yes. <laughs> we have to take a break here. <laughs> well, it's two V two, so Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> technically, this was only the lead up to the fight. The fight is technically mm -hmm. happening last time, even though there were blows exchanged, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you think that that's like the hallmark feature of a shonen? Probably. <laughs> He's definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. I feel Malcolm is actually relatively short for a shonen series. But it is. It, yeah. it definitely has, uh, has some of the hallmarks. <laughs> <laughs> like a short protagonist? I mean... <laughs> yes. Short, scrappy protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't actually think of, like, several, like, shonen mm -hmm. series that have that, which is why it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So human sacrifice now? That's where we're at <laughs> yep. now? First it was civil war. It's fucking chapter 10. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, human sacrifice, uh, dehumanization of prisoners. Yes! <laughs> Yes. A couple, couple of good, uh, lighthearted 
topics in this, also just in you know chapters i don't know toxic ambition like where are we going with roy's story to become oh yeah fear president i mean fear yeah. <laughs> oh wait no i'm fear i mean fear president that's what we're supposed to say yeah <laughs> yeah he does not have a good look Mm-mm. when he talks about that mm-hmm. no <laughs> yeah it sort of uh like comes out of nowhere at least like like if you're not paying too much attention to Roy, it's just like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm going to be Fuhrer and hold complete military power. Yeah, I want to believe that it's okay and that it's just like his hubris and he's still a good person, you know. Yeah. But, but it maybe it's his kakui face. No, just- yes, <laughs> yeah. It does seem to be softened a bit by um, Hawkeye Lisa. and Havoc's reactions to it. Like they just seem kind of like, like I don't know, fondly amused by him just declaring that he's going to become Fuhrer. So. Yeah, maybe it's that, or I chose to interpret them as being like, it's okay, he would be a good leader. Like, maybe he has reasons that are good. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But either way, it doesn't seem to be a shock to them that no, no. that's his ambition. So. <laughs> oh, he walks around all the time being like, I'm going to become a Fuhrer someday. Guys, mm-hmm. just watch me. Mm-hmm. Like, Reese is like, maybe don't say that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, let me give you some advice, Colonel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Hakro was back. Speaking of, this is relevant mm-hmm. because one of the things that I want to talk about was like the military structure, I guess. Because mm-hmm. like, so Roy's on a mission to become the Fear, as as we discussed just now. There's a couple interesting things that he says, like um, to me or that were interesting. Like we always see how Ed and Al are like, everyone is like, oh, they're so young. Ed's like a genius for getting into the military so young. But Roy mm-hmm. seems to have his own sort of like age and rank struggle right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's young for being a colonel i guess mm-hmm. yeah, i don't know if it's ever said like in the series itself but i believe he's supposed to be 29 at this point mm. which is really damn it is young pretty young to be a colonel. yes <laughs> well another thing is that um uh, along with that is that just because uh well even though ed is a state alchemist um they're surprised with how um friendly he gets along with Hughes and how mm-hmm. like casually they talk mm-hmm. so I guess even among state alchemists that's not necessarily a I guess it's not that prestigious of a position compared to some of these other higher level ranks well it seems like mm-hmm. you can be a state alchemist and have a military rank that's mm-hmm. like you can be an yeah, alchemist think, and be a colonel um... or you can be a regular person and be a colonel it's not necessarily like yeah. one or the other yeah yeah I think um like being becoming a state alchemist automatically makes you technically part of the military but mm-hmm. If you don't have like military ambitions, you can just like be a state alchemist rather than trying like rise through the ranks, like yeah. which explains like a lot, like about show or whatever. <laughs> show Tucker. Yeah, yeah, because he, <laughs> you know, he wasn't like in military uniform and or anything, but you know, you got Roy, who is a state alchemist, but is also a colonel and yeah, obviously like a career military person. But then you have like uh, Hawkeye and Armstrong, who are officers but don't aren't alchemists so well, it's not Armstrong's like an alchemist oh sorry Armstrong's, yeah, Armstrong's you're right a state alchemist, he's the punching but, uh... alchemist yeah <laughs> the shirtless alchemist that's it. that was his nickname right yeah, <laughs> yeah but like hawkeye, hawkeye and hughes not. and havoc aren't alchemists yeah. at least as far as we've seen so i guess i think are we to under are we to assume that hal crow is in charge of whatever unit like roy is in and then roy's in charge of like hawkeye and havoc and Armstrong, I guess. I think. Um, is there an org chart? I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if uh, Hal Crow is like directly in charge of Roy. Well, he's a he general, seems to. At least. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely outranks him, but I yes. don't know if Roy reports directly to him. Yes. Because um, it seems like he operates out of like a different part of the 
the East area. Oh, that's possible. Since they talk about him coming all the way from New Optane just to talk smack. (laughs) (laughs) Show up to be sassy, yes. Yeah. That's an important part of being a colonel, or being a general, (laughs) as I'm led to believe it. I mean... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it does seem like Hawkeye and Havoc report directly to Roy. It does seem like that. They're always around him. They're never Mm -hmm. elsewhere, at least that we've seen. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, Halcrow tends to be about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not always like a straight, like, this person reports to this person reports to this person kind yeah. of organization with the military. Like, there's different, like, sections. Yes. Like, so, like, yeah, I would say, like, General Halker, like, outranks Roy, but I don't know if he directly commands him. Yeah. That totally mm-hmm. makes sense. I just, they're the yeah. only ones we'd seen so far, so it was like, I wonder if he's mm-hmm. also in charge of Roy, but mm-hmm. Roy doesn't really treat him like that. I mean, he's yeah. so- semi-deferential, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but then in, you know, behind closed doors, he's like, "I'm gonna beat him to be the fearer," you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe you would say that about your superior, direct superior, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why Hawkeye's like, "Please don't." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess another random interesting thing that we learned is that Hughes is in charge of the court martialing mm, unit. Maybe is that the word? I don't know. Mm-hmm. He works probably in the court martialing department yeah, part, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably at least in Central City. Yeah. He's in charge of it. Yeah, he's a he's a lieutenant colonel, I believe. So. I think that's what they said when they introduced yeah. him. I forgot. Mm-hmm. He, hasn't, he hasn't quite climbed this. It's not the corporate ladder in the military. He hasn't <laughs> yeah. quite climbed the ranks like Roy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So a nice continuity that Halcrow still has his uh, ear injury from his train hijacking experience. And he's like, I'm fine. It's like actively mm-hmm. bleeding or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Roy's like, how about you lay down, general? <laughs> and he's like, over my dead body. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought yeah. it was a little, just wanted to take a break. I had to look up all their ranks because I forget which one is under which one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty similar to the U.S. Army, so I can remember it fairly well. But so they, there's actually an established separate rank in uh, Full Metal Alchemist, a ranking system in Full Metal Alchemist that is like it doesn't just follow yeah, you can actually, like a different one. Uh, yeah, you can actually look it up, and it's got like all the symbols and bars on their shoulders and oh, everything. Yeah, it's pretty I, detailed. I wanted um, to but, look at their insignia, yeah. but I didn't. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. see most of it. I mean, you can see Roy's pretty clearly in these chapters, but. Um, um, we also got uh, Ross and Brosh, who seem to report directly to Armstrong. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I thought they just told him the truth <laughs> because yeah. they were scared. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think uh, it, it's one of Armstrong's um, teachings in, like, because, like, what does he call them? The the elegant his elegant teachings or whatever that he's he's received, <laughs> uh, like construction, right? Uh, uh, Art, I think he's done artwork and uh, interrogation. Yeah, because oh. clear <laughs> well interrogation techniques have been yeah. passed down the Armstrong line for generations. <laughs> it involves uh, flexing your muscles at people until they give in, yeah. <laughs> or just like he like steaming angrily at them, like he did to Ed and Al. Yeah. Of course, they would never listen. But well, mm-hmm. uh, it was because uh, last time I think or, or two episodes, or he was able to get the information from I think Havoc. Uh, about oh, about the, the Elrics. Yeah, about the Elric mm-hmm. brothers. So I th- I think that they never specifically say it, explicitly say it, but I think he has been trained in interrogation techniques. <laughs> I think he's just an overwhelming personality that most people don't know how to deal with. He's tall and or has that. a handlebar mustache that is a certain amount of presence that nobody can argue with. <laughs> yes. 
I do like the little like cabal they're forming though, like Armstrong, yes. Ross, Rush, and the Elric brothers. <laughs> I was gonna say you said their full names, which aren't even in. At least I didn't notice them in the print, so they must be recurrent. <laughs> oh, they say it when they first get introduced. Do but, they? Yeah. Yeah, and like the very Lieutenant first panel Ross. when they're introduced, they're like Second Lieutenant Maria Ross and Sergeant oh. Denny Brush reporting for duty or whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, there it is. You're right. Like I was slightly joking about the like cabal they're forming, but I actually do like that. Like they're all kind of like supporting now in their mm-hmm. like research and then they're all like working together with this like terrible information that they discovered yeah i like how but i like i also like that armstrong is like i'm gonna investigate you stay here and then mm-hmm. they're like no but yeah they're and now definitely seem to have their own little like kind of cults following a little bit Mm-mm. they have their their posse you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> They certainly have a, or at least a group of trusted people around them who are sympathetic to their Mm -hmm. situation. So, yeah. Armstrong included, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like how we get another look at how Armstrong's like a pretty smart guy, even Mm -hmm. though he seems like just like a big, like muscle bound comedic relief (laughs) character. Mm -hmm. No, he has delicate drawing abilities and interrogation Mm -hmm. skills, as we've discussed, (laughs) that were passed down the Armstrong line for generations. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. They all kind of put together the possibility that because there was human sacrifice involved and and there's a prison right there that they would have a supply of test subjects there so mm-hmm. which is pretty grim <laughs> the, yeah the whole i was like reading it and i was like did i forget everything about fomara alchemist because i don't remember <laughs> this part like honestly i'm not surprised based on the the sort of like things that came up but yeah, I was like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot. Mm-hmm. Maybe I forgot everything, guys. Maybe <laughs> I forgot everything. Maybe this is I'm reading it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it was like, that line always kind of hits me where he's like, this is our place. Why do you say that? There's a prison right next door. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and it seems like some of the prisoners, whether they were used for human sacrifice or not, at least, which is our assumption, Mm-hmm. There's st- some that are there guarding it. Their souls are there yeah. guarding it, which is on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty big reveal that uh, Al is not the only uh, time oh, a soul yeah. has been bound to armor. Michael Ed is like, I can't believe there's some other sick fuck that decided this yeah. is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a very Ed thing to think. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting because, I mean, I know they said that the this research station was shut down like two years ago. Yeah, it's very specific. But, uh, or more, uh, no, a while ago. For years, but according to um, the Slicer, it was only yeah. two years ago since he, you know, number forty-eight got executed mm-hmm. in air quotes. Yes, um, when they quote unquote gave him this job, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how they both refer to it as a job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that's not yeah. death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and not prison, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. There's more to say about them for sure, but the lab itself is kind of interesting. Like Ed sneaks in. It is it's guarded, which is a red flag for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's like currently lit, and there was a lot of rubble and stuff. But there was like a clearly operational transmutation circle there. So mm-hmm. they said they gave him the job two years ago, but that doesn't mean the experiment stopped two years ago. Yeah, I like the disconcerting, uh, kind of related, but more related to what you're we talking about for with the military when they're kind of piecing together all of the information that they got from dr marco's notes like the realization that you know even the highest levels of government could be involved Mm -hmm. in this research or knowledgeable about this research is very interesting an interesting and horrifying concept too 
Arkaw is always swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it's like, I mean, they bring up the possibility that, like, the lab was operating independently and maybe only the warden knew, but they also bring up that, like, yeah, I, the Brigadier General was in charge of this department. Like, that's a really yeah. high rank. Like, <laughs> Also, he's dead now, so they'll never be able to interrogate him. Yeah. So. yeah. Good times, guys. <laughs> so, uh, something interesting that I noticed, which is, you know, they're talking about how it's unused or whatever, and I, I don't know. Uh, actually, I, I, you might be able to help me with this, Ellen, but... Um, mm. When you first meet the Slicer, right, Ed says, what is this place? Could this be where they transmute the Philosopher's Stone? And he responds, it is. All that in the present tense, which could imply mm. that it's still in use. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving it open, you know? Um, I can see if it was said in the past tense. I could yeah. confirm or deny <laughs> that specifically. Mm-hmm. Probably, maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. A good question. Also, the fact that Ed's walking around just saying shit out loud when in an abandoned building is like, what are you doing? You're just in a horror movie. I see. He's a shonen protagonist. <laughs> it's Halloween, so he's in a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's being pursued. He's a shonen protagonist in a horror movie. In a horror movie. Really funny. <laughs> he's like, like I'll gonna fight gonna... the ghost. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to kick it in the face. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> As you pointed out, I never realized this character, uh, number 66, I always thought his armor was a skull, but it's actually just a skull-shaped piece of armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, I didn't really pay that much attention to, like, their armor designs until this time, but they're kind of interesting. Like, he's got, like, 66 has kind of a almost barbarian kind of design to it, mm-hmm. while uh, 48 is a little more, like, samurai-inspired. Mm-hmm. I don't think it means anything, although it does kind of reflect their personalities from what we've seen. Yeah, the one has the the big hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, yeah. He's also kind of like big and stout. The armor shape, mm-hmm. like Al, like for example, Al has this like big chested sort of physique look to his armor, and then the other one has uh, a little bit more tone. Like um, how how can I describe it? Yeah, I guess it is kind of samurai esque. You're right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's got that like. Uh, but also on. goth with a chain. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it has the it's the like shoulder pads and stuff that like look like. Uh... Yeah, although he's also got a little like wispy thing from his helmet, like Al does. Mm-hmm. He's got little horns, and one is missing. Mm-hmm. His armor is cracked. Yeah, I like that little detail where you can see like the, like the gouge. Yeah, that obviously was from the same thing that got rid of one of the horns. Yeah, mm-hmm. it gave him rough armor. It's kind of an interesting choice. I wonder if they just used that armor to make them more scary or whatever. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it is kind of like their personalities. I mean, they're so we make the we know that forty eight was a serial killer, so they're dangerous criminals of some kind. And then clearly, mm-hmm. the other one referred to like chopping up the other, chopping up Al. Yeah, he also says that like if you knew my real name, you'd like be terrified, which mm-hmm. would also kind of implies a well known criminal of some kind, some kind of infamous criminal, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cosmo, I got to the page and then I lost it because I was looking at no. looking at their armor. Hold on. <laughs> oh wait, no. There he's calling himself short. <laughs> I love his like silent despair over almost <laughs> calling himself short. Yeah. It's a good thing I'm. Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also think the room where Ed finds the uh transmutation circle, like not just the transmutation circle itself, but it's almost shaped like an altar. Like it has this weird, mm-hmm. like a huge door, and then there's like a bunch of symbols behind him. Mm-hmm. It looks like I guess maybe elements or something. Like I can't really tell what it is. There's a star. Yeah. 
like an upside down star. It's yeah, a like huge it's, room. <laughs> yeah, like it seems like the room itself was like built for esoteric purposes. Clearly. Not just someone painted a transportation circle in a conveniently large room. In a convenient yeah, it's not like a, yeah, it's not like your typical research lab. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, and here's where we put the terrifying symbols on the wall. Yeah. And here's where we put the sacrificial altar. Yeah. And here's where we put the chemical bench. And here's where we have the coffee. And here's yeah. where the couch is if you want to take a nap. Mm -hmm. so, someone brought in bagels. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just like every office. <laughs> my, my desk is in front of the um, esoteric symbol area in my office. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss it now that I work from yeah. home, but... <laughs> it's like, lucky, mine's by the sacrificial altar. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of messy over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, like, is this for the is for the purpose of, like, trans creating the Philosopher's Stone? Or transmitting the Philosopher's Stone? The answer is a little bit ambiguous. There's no verb for me to tell. But yeah, Ed's is mm -hmm. definitely in the, in the present tense. Mm -hmm. But he also kind of trails off. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, like, was this built? It's like... Y yeah. Um... <laughs> why doesn't he say? <laughs> you mean, why is Japanese ambiguous? I don't know. It's kind yeah. of nice that way, isn't it? <laughs> it's great for storytelling, obviously. There's a lot of room in there for whatever you want. <laughs> so I think we can say it's ambiguous, but the ambiguity itself is also kind of <laughs> alarming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. Even, I mean, the way that it's translated is certainly alarming. Mm -mm. I mean, he's still currently, they're still currently guarding it, so. Yeah, he's obviously something worth. Uh... Something worth guarding. The military feels mm -hmm. worth guarding. Did they say, did Tim Marco say when he left or how long, did Armstrong say how long he'd been missing for? I don't remember. He did say it's been several Yeah, I think years. it was after the Civil War, but I can't remember if it said any more specifically. Oh. Let's see. Oh, Since he vanished during the Civil War. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's been gone for he's been on the run for a long time in theory. Although they didn't mm -hmm. really say when the Civil War ended yet, did they? I forget. Uh, yeah. No, they said that it's, it lasted for seven years, right? Not that it ended seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't recall. Let's see. Yeah, yeah timeline. Here we go. Um, there is a timeline. I can look it up in a bit. <laughs> but let's see. Of course there is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, 13 years ago was when the child was shot and it started the Civil War. After seven years, they decided to genocide. Oh, great. <laughs> and then the alchemist got uh, involved. Yeah, right? but I don't think it specifically says when it ended at that point. Well, that was when they brought... Oh, no, no, they already had yeah, state alchemists before mm -hmm. that. Yeah, they that was the first time they brought them like, into the battle. field of war. Yes. Yeah. So 13 years ago is when it started, and then after seven years is when oh, they... God. Decided, uh, let's just kill everybody. Uh, <laughs> Great. The, so that would be six years pre-canon. That they decided or, that. It's not even, yeah. that's not yeah, even when it ended. But not when it ended necessarily, yeah. Interesting. So that's, yeah, in very recent memory. Yes. <laughs> well, that's how a, like, 15-year-old and his 14-year-old yeah. uh, brother who wears armor, quote-unquote, um, mm -hmm. could feasibly have been around, too. Yeah. Be involved. Be injured grievously. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out later, probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought it was interesting also, speaking of the two um, guards slash serial killers, 48 and 66. Mm -hmm. Number 48, the Slicer? Is that what he was called? Am I crazy? Yeah. Okay, I definitely didn't write his name mm -hmm. in my notes. Yeah. Um, I, I like how he also took the time to explain to us how the, the soul binding works. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says specifically the soul is tied to the blood, and then the iron and the blood bonds with the metal and the armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. In case I guess you were wondering how Ed, how Al's <laughs> transmutation, how the soul mm-hmm. st- stays in the armor, mm-hmm. and we get more confirmation that uh, the seal is the. Uh... You know the life or death button on the <laughs> on the armor, since the big red button. Yeah, I mean we had Ed talking about how like, oh yeah, I have to be careful when I fix the armor to not mess with the seal. But then you have him straight up being like, destroy this, and I'm dead. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, they show you what his seal looks like. I'm gonna. They see. do. It looks slightly <laughs> well, it looks different than Al's. It does. It's mm-hmm. a six pointed star, and then there's some little symbols around it and inside it. Mm-hmm. In, and yeah, it's in a circle. Some, Six points yeah, there's some circle. similar like uh, geometry to Al's, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a different circle. A different evil idea. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it does have like kind of those like organic shapes too. Like we don't see a lot of little like the squiggle inside of Al's um, mm-hmm. armor. I mean, inside of Al's uh, transmutation circle that binds him. In this case, his had little marks. The marks, like inside, it's not and in and around the circle, they don't look like it's not like just a triangle or a circle or whatever. Like it's not another mm-hmm. geometric shape. It looks like more of an organic mark, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is kind of some. Yeah, his explanation does actually provide a lot of, like a lot of detail that we didn't really need, but it's kind of nice to know, mm-hmm. like the fact that like it actually had to be in blood. It's not just that that happened to be what. You know, Ed has at hand, yeah. so to speak. So you can't just use, um, like, a chalk and a chalkboard to, like, bind a soul, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. And they also say, like, the soul is tied to the blood, mm-hmm. which makes it seem like it only worked because Ed is a blood relation to the person whose soul he was mm-hmm. trying to bind. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was his own blood, right? Not his brother's blood. Because he didn't... His brother just disappeared. I don't think there was any of his... Yeah, I think it's his own blood oh. from his, you know, missing legs. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I see. I understand what you're saying. He used his mm-hmm. own blood yeah. to get Al's soul. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, his his corporal body was completely gone. Yes. Yeah, there's no there's no um... Al blood to use. But he says, like, this, like uh, 48 says, the soul is tied to the blood. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like if he tried to use his blood to bind, like, a rando's soul to the armor, it probably wouldn't work. No. It's like, a, adds a whole, like weird perspective on the process of them get by, being bound to the armor like mm-hmm. they save a little blood and like a little like <laughs> like a little paintbrush for the process yeah. like listen anyway it's, it's all horrifying yeah, but, uh, <laughs> full alchemist metaphysics I mean I kind of like that that's that's mm-hmm. the you know that's the part of the thing that makes it kind of sci-fi I guess yeah I mean yeah I don't know yeah I think that's what makes like good like like fantasy is like yes. a sort of consistent like logic to the like way the quote unquote magic works. Like yeah, like it's not like Al's the mm-hmm. only body atta- soul attached to something. Mm-hmm. He's well, not it's, special. It's not. It's not an anomaly that just can't be recreated. It's it happens again, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. it's, um. Yeah. 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 Other people thought of it for much less altruistic reasons. <laughs> Did. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, next time we'll have their fight. 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 <laughs> Blood on the ice. <laughs> and I guess we'll get to see Al's fight with the other, with number 66, whose name hasn't mm-hmm. been said yet. His alias or whatever has not been said yet. Yeah. 
what's it called when a serial killer has a nickname? Nickname? Is that it? It's not like a pen name or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your murder name. Okay. His sword name. <laughs> sword name. Yeah. His cleaver. about to say knife name. <laughs> His cleaver name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than just a knife. It's like a. It is like a big cleaver, like a meat cleaver, where the blade mm-hmm. like goes down past the handle, which is yeah. Awesome. They both look like um like cooking implements that sixty six <laughs> has, like the other blade too. Yeah. It's a short knife. It's like yeah, relatively like... short for him, his armor, you know, size, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, like forty eight's got like a straight up like sword, like katana, sword. basically. Yeah. But um, yeah, like both the sixty sixes look like they were meant for things other than fighting. So they got these this armor, and they gave them special weapons to their preference mm-hmm. to guard this horrifying, dilapidated. Uh. Not just a research lab, but what seems to be like a temple. I'm just throwing it out there. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> a room specifically designed for esoteric purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> the, f- the fearers involved. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not a, a low budget situation. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just making it work in a basement. No, this is like a whole. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody like carved into the stone to get those like symbols above the cha- in the top of the chamber. It's not just like mm-hmm. a poster board, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know who did get it? Uh, make it work in a basement. Ed. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, I think with a child's allowance. It, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. it was somewhere in their house for sure. They had definitely had a home office situation happening. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it was probably the basement. Like, never <laughs> Everett did it in a basement with a box of scraps. <laughs> he paid for it with a child's allowance. What are you crazy government types doing with all our money? <laughs> Although they're not trying to create human bodies, they're using them as a sacrifice. So, yeah, it's a lot, perhaps a lot less challenging. The alchemy circle itself is interesting too. We haven't. I mean, I don't really know of any particular like symbol symbolism, but it does have like a five. It has like a pentagon shape instead of other mm-hmm. shapes like often we see six pointed things or like even number pointed stars mm-hmm. the room has a star an upside down star and then the alchemy circle in the room is a pentagon no it's a circle a pentagon inside a circle inside a pentagon inside a circle mm-hmm. yeah i said it right yes <laughs> yeah it's kind of um like almost extra eerie in its simplicity mm-hmm. there's nothing inside there's mm-hmm. no um, alchemical symbols like in like in the human transmutation circle. There's like the uh, uh, what would you call them? Like the the constellation symbols, like the el- old element symbols, mm-hmm. zodiac symbols, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. There's nothing. It's just those shapes that I mentioned, and there's like little circles at the points of the um, pentagons. Yeah, it's almost like. Like, it's not actually difficult. You just have to be willing to sacrifice a large amount of bodies to it. Like, seems like. Yeah. It seems like. But I just think there might be some significance to the fact that it's five-pointed. You mm-hmm. know, like a pentagram, yeah, a pentagram or something. And yeah, a lot of the other ones we've seen. For sure. I'm just saying. It's five-pointed instead of, like, some three-pointed or an even number or multiples of three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Geometry. Yeah. Listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and it is eerily simple. When he walks into the room, it's just that big 
uh, circle on top of all the other things I described about the room. It's that big transmutation circle on the ground, and it's gigantic. Like his foot, Ed's foot fits in like one of the circles on the little, one of the little mm -hmm. circles on the transmutation circle. And then there seems to be some kind of like altar thing in the middle. Yeah, which I, it looks like it may have a pentagon on it, or that just made it might. Ha it has a mark on it. I don't remember what it looks yeah. like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think we get a close up on it, but it looks yeah, like it would be a pentagon probably. It has a mark, but the the room's also drawn in this sort of like a kind of like mm -hmm. a blown out perspective, so it like looks yeah. so the circle the the circle looks a little bit weird, so it's a little mm -hmm. bit hard to tell what's in the middle. Yeah, certainly something for all your human transmutation needs, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, um, something that's 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 interesting is um, now that we know what the philosopher's stones are. The stone that Marco had, right? Yeah. Uh, Ed was surprised because it was very liquidy and like it, it fit in a vial. And then when he poured it out, it kind of coalesced into like a stone shape. Mm -hmm. Um, it's liquidy because you know the main ingredient is blood. It's goo. It's yeah. human goo. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that's interesting is the one that Cornello had. When that ran out, right, that like it looked like it dried up and cracked, and it seemed very hard. Mm -hmm. Like the blood ran out. It's like dried up, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Um, so that's just some interesting sort of uh, way to sort of yeah depict uh, that. I guess I don't know. It's, it's a definitely a striking like visual mm -hmm. when you have this information now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, the one Dr. Marco had, I guess both of them were not, like, full Philosopher's Stones. Mm -hmm. That's what Dr. Marco said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fact that, like, like, they said that they, like, made multiple, like, imperfect stones. And, like, that they've been doing experiments kind of makes you wonder, like, yeah, they've been doing different versions of the transmutation with different results. You had and... a lot of recipes. Yeah. That's my assumption. Thousands <laughs> and thousands of recipes. Yeah. Thousand recipes for your daily human sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> but then it also makes you wonder, like, so he has one. I wonder how long he's had it since he ran. He left during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. How long has? Yeah, it seems like he's been missing a few years at least. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess maybe he just has like multiple samples or something, or does he just have one? I don't know. It's very interesting. An interesting right. backstory that I don't think we'll really see. I don't know, maybe, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. How long is his sample going to work? Cornello's, we don't know how long he was in, in power. Yeah. yeah. I assume not that long. Although Cornello looks like he was using it a lot more frivolously. So. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, let me just like turn all these flowers into bigger flowers or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to perform miracles. Yeah. Dr. Marco is like, oh, you have a boo-boo? I think you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So about the, the recipe book. Yes. Mm -hmm. it's a thousand recipes right mm -hmm. uh, that's not a whole I mean like it's a lot the recipes are kind of short you wouldn't think it would take five days to write a recipe book for a thousand recipes right <laughs> she hand wrote it <laughs> she did but here's yeah. here's what my my theory is he does the same thing every other recipe book does two pages of backstory about him <laughs> living in the country <laughs> thinking about his mom and how she made it and that the secret ingredient was love can we make a spin-off um to marco's recipe blog yeah <laughs> for the show yeah. <laughs> all the uh, all the recipes are a secret code for something else mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah on the subject of the alchemist codes um 
I didn't mention it in the uh, recap, but it also says that Ed codes his in the form of a travel log, and it says Roy Mustang codes his using women's names. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, on a date with like so and so Jessica or something mm-hmm. tonight. It says, yeah, it says like tonight we'll have dinner at the hotel with Miss Josephine. Oh, Josephine. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty close. <laughs> but it's kind of an interesting concept that they like all write in like a code to keep the information out of the wrong hands. <laughs> Like, you know, how to sacrifice lives to make to a make philosopher's stone. stone. You would definitely want to code that. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like some, some whatever Roy's writing, it's probably more for his personal enjo- amusement. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, fire so another thing air. that they, they talk about is, you know, Ed has a huge research grant. I was just about to say. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's, it's something that they've talked about before and that's come up. But it's you never really see it other than for the few people who you feel like, oh, yeah, they seem like they should be doing research. But, like, we never see, you know, Mustang sitting down doing his research or anything that anyone really, I don't I don't think, um, at least not yet. And it's mm-hmm. apparently, I mean, Ed has a huge one. So, like, it'd be interesting to see a little more into that aspect of being a state alchemist. Mm-hmm. And, yeah we've, yeah, we've seen that touched on a couple of times where, like, when... Uh... When they were in, what was it, Use Well, when they're talking about it, it's like, I know that, like, state alchemists get a lot of, like, benefits, but mm-hmm. you can be like, oh, yeah, that's that's a lot of benefits. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he did get the and, mine for free, though, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, Show Tucker talking about, like, how desperate he was to get his, like, research, re- his research grant. Yeah, because he's just like, living off like, his research grant. Yeah. <laughs> Doing nothing. Except for horrible Committing things. horrific crimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did that at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what does he need the money for? He doesn't have a daughter and a dog to take care of anymore. With yeah. Ed. <laughs> but yeah, he Ed seems to have a sizable research grant. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting in and of itself, too. Like, how much does... Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if Roy needs a, mil- a research grant. He's employed. Mm-hmm. In a capacity yeah. other than just research so yeah maybe like like if you're primarily a like research alchemist you get the grant but if you're like a active member of the military who happens to be a alchemist also like maybe not maybe you get different kind of benefits you get a salary like a normal yeah (laughs) normal person in the military maybe you get an alchemist bonus but you get a i can use fireballs bonus uh (laughs) (laughs) so uh talking about shao again uh, something that you know just thought of is that like you know it was really really you know terrible when he mixed uh nina and alexander together but stop if you think reminding about sort of, me no, yeah. <laughs> i mean if you think about like sort of what that result was like i mean that's kind of well absolutely cruel and unusual but like that's what he's doing to other animals all the time mm-hmm. like in other chimeras like it, it i don't know they, they remember who they are but it, not well and like, I don't know. It's just it, I never really thought about how cruel that is in general. Just you know, mm-hmm. not even using a human. How mm-hmm. fucked up that is. Yeah, I think you do get kind of like a like kind of a ooh kind of feeling even before the Nina stuff because like just seeing like the like screaming yeah, commands yeah, yeah. like cages. in cages and stuff like things in jars always an eerie mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah, like even if it doesn't like directly address it, I think you kind of get a moment of like, this is not humane uh, treatment of research animals. Like, no, <laughs> no, send I doubt, uh, there. I doubt a mistress has uh, <laughs> guidelines on 
humane treatment. They're fine with having people be sacrificed (laughs) for philosopher's stones. Look at the bigger picture. Also, they allow genocide. Also, like, whatever. Listen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, do you like kind of, like, how the series kind of, like, creeps up the, like, horrific crimes against humanity like <laughs> dial like you're like very you said the like nina stuff you're like oh that's horrible and then you like hear about the like using alchemists for genocide you're like oh, oh that's horrible. horrible and then it's like oh he sacrificed people to make philosophers you're like that's horrible <laughs> like, <laughs> when will they when be does stopped it stop? <laughs> <laughs> when does it stop being horrible <laughs> well we're only 10 chapters in so not for yeah. a long time <laughs> i'm guessing <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. I mean, <laughs> those are those laughs are a sign. We for laugh help. so we don't. It's cry. sobbing. It's actually sobbing. I've just learned to hide it for the for the audience. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked. Can we talk about lust and gluttony? Their well, situation. Actually, I had oh, one more thing to sure. talk about with the state alchemists, which is, and maybe I'm just misreading this, but um, you know, he talks about how uh, the alchemists work are supposed to work for the people, but as state alchemists. They kind of go against that motto, and that's why they're called dogs of the military. And they have an obligation to keep their trade secrets out of the public arena. Mm-hmm. And he kind of implies that that's why they're using the code. Mm. And so I don't know, is this a newer sort of uh, development within Alchemists, and that it's it's been made specifically as a measure, to like I guess a, a, an ethical measure of state alchemy? Or is that something that they did before and they've... I think he was implying that the code is kind of a traditional thing. It it's is, like yeah, part okay. of part of the alchemists working for the people is making sure that like bad people don't use their research for bad things. Lazy people who can't figure out the code. I mean... Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause, I mean, that, like, that's, that's how it sounded. But at the same time, all this backstory kind of made me go, well, is that... Is that also something that he's trying to imply? Is that it's, Maybe. it's specifically for the state alchemists? But... Mm-hmm. I, don't... I don't know. It um, kind of reminds me of like Magician's Code. You know? Mm-hmm. Like you're not supposed to yeah, reveal your that... trade secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the fact that like such a like wide like swath of alchemists seem to do it that we've seen so far. Like you got Roy who is like, you know, just, just straight up military boy <laughs> and he uses code. And then you got Ed who's like technically in the military but you know, he's a 15-year-old kid just kind of doing his own thing to figure out how to save his brother's body. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Marco, who is, like, ex-military and stuff. I think it seems like that kind of, like, like when you learn alchemy, you learn to, you know, you learn the traditions, like, using code. And then if you become also, a state alchemist, you just keep doing that. Do we ever really meet any alchemists that aren't state alchemists? Well, I guess Scar, who's a, mm. at least partially an alchemist. I think we shall. I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we really have yet. Just, yeah. Although they, you know, the fact that they talk about like anyone can learn alchemy, it's just like the one, like whether you stick with it or anything. Guy Usewell said that he mm-hmm. dabbled. He dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just I don't know. It's I think it's a kind of a. I guess they could be using it specifically for the military, but I think it's just more of a like esoteric. You know, mm-hmm. secret society teachings kind of vibe that they all use yeah. code. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that everybody uses code for their notes. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. That would be my assumption, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think that's Yeah, I mean, implying. again, that's, that's the, the, the feeling I've had for the most part, but there's just this little mm-hmm. maybe. 
Um, yeah, I could see them maybe being like, I now have like even more obligation. Yes. To... Yeah, I get it. You're... Like especially like Marco. Like yeah, no, for sure. He probably had his notes just like whatever, and then was like, I have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was like you know so adamant that like no one will ever see his research because it's the work of the devil and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a whole like yeah. story there, you know. Yeah. I like how it's like, fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But then he's like, wait. There's mm-hmm. there's more, but wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we talk about lust and... Oh, lust. And gluttony mm-hmm. then, since we saw... Well, we know they're somehow related to Dr. Marco. This is a seamless transition. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> we also saw that Scar was hanging out in the east cell. So he's still around. Still in the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> Like the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. <laughs> Eating rats, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and it seems that he's, it's implied that he survived the fight. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't, we haven't seen him yet for sure. Mm-hmm. At the very least, uh, Gluttony did not eat him. No. <laughs> He's very sad about <laughs> Gluttony was like a freaking shark. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Being able to know what kind of. Was it blood specifically? Well, he was like, I smell an Ishvalin. I don't know if it's like he's specifically just talking about Scar or if it's like, but he could smell him in the sewer. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm noting it down as animalistic behavior from Lust and Co. They have these a lot of strange behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know, on top of the like magical abilities of stretching and changing into other people. Mm -hmm. Gluttony has this a. Uh, some kind of radar sense of smell also. <laughs> yeah. The smell and taste buds of a shark. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a taste for people. Like a shark? Yeah. <laughs> we actually taste pretty bad to sharks. Really? But like... That's why most of the time they just bite us once and they're like, ew, that's not a seal. <laughs> that's not a seal. I thought that was a really big fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also eat a lot of random crap though because they're not very... <laughs> not. Yeah. Well, they figure out what things are by biting them. Yeah. So... I mean... Yeah, they don't have little hands to touch them or whatever, yeah. you know? They're like, seal? Ew, gross, oh, no. Not a seal. <laughs> <laughs> the ocean is a horrifying place. Yeah. Just like Emestris. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lust did her creepy smile thing again. That was horrifying. It freaks me out every time she does it. Yeah. The most important thing that she said out of the whole thing was that she needs to go talk to Father, though. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ominous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Someone who's... I don't know. Yeah, someone should refer to him as father. And it's the first time we have that, like, lust in particular is reporting to someone. Yeah, that's true. Because we talked about how she kind of seems in charge of the ones we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. But, like, now she's directly like, I need to report this to father. So. Yeah. Mysterious. Mm-hmm. And also horrifying, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We also find out that they're not really related to Scar. Because I think before mm. they said something about our little killer. Yeah. Is that, you know, doing something... Turns out they don't get along too well. No. Mm-hmm. We originally were talking about how they might be in cahoots. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're in cahoots. Yeah. <laughs> Based off of this. If they are, they're not doing a very good job. I mean, I guess it could be a, you know, mutiny situation or something, but... <laughs> performative. <laughs> you know, all friendship is performative. I mean... <laughs> you're like, what are you saying? <laughs> oh, I feel betrayed. Oh, oh. <laughs> I didn't until just now. <laughs> I didn't mean our friendship. Like all the other friendships. I'm wiping the sweat off of my brow. 
<laughs> make a good recovery. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. She's yeah, she's definitely going to do something to report to somebody. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So there seems to be somebody in charge of this situation, and it seems like Scar isn't their friend after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they're kind of just like letting him do his thing and hope that he like helps them in their mission, but he seems to be tangential to whatever they're doing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of seems like they were like, eh, he can do his thing for a while, but now he's getting close to killing people that we don't want killed. Yeah. So we, we're we going to... They wanted to kill them themselves that. for their yeah. human sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, they don't oh, want them killed yet, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. We've uh, we've talked about the word sacrifice being used before. Yeah, thrown around willy-nilly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, they've talked about, um, they said it directly about Ed and alluded to it with Marco. Mm -hmm. um, right. And I think they kind of alluded to it with Roy. Roy, too. I don't think they directly said it, but they, like, implied that they want him alive, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they specifically said Dr. Marco. They're like, oh, she was like, I forgot that you're an alchemist that I can use for human sacrifice, too. And he was like, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still in the hot seat, even though he escaped from the army. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they seem to have, for the moment, some interest in keeping those kinds of alchemists, like Ed and Roy and Marco, alive. But then they killed uh, yeah. Grand, General Grand. Mm -hmm. That's his no, name. No, that was... um. Oh, that was sorry. Star. That's what I'm... Oh, 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 right, right, right. Yeah. I guess they're okay with it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, Maybe they made it look yeah, like... Maybe they killed trying him. trying to protect him. And they made mm -hmm. it look like it was Scar. <laughs> The conspiracy goes all the way to the top. <laughs> you're like, I can't say. I can never confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the top. Confirm nor deny your conspiracy. Thing. Yes. Uh, they're just like chilling right on top of. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. HQ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all up in the military. Like, yeah. Yeah, I did like a double take to realize that that was like actually the same building that Roy was in. I loved how it was just like, like a first pan up. At first, I thought it. Yeah, at first I thought it was like just a cut to a different part of the city. But no, no, I was like no, Roy yeah. was in that window. Yeah, you can see him <laughs> in the office. Yeah, it's like they're purposefully listening. Mm -hmm. They're probably more like embedded in the military than they are close to Scar. It seems like at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean that we know that they're connected to the creation of the Philosopher Stones, and there's a lot of you know, you know suspicion on the. Yeah, and there's a lot of suspicion on the military being involved in that in these chapters. So yeah, straight up shade being thrown by Edward. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there seems to be a, a possible connection there between uh, lust at all and the military. Definitely, or at least some someone, some parts of the military somehow. Yeah. Does it go to the top? We don't know yet, but some mm -hmm. some people for sure. Definitely, Doctor yeah. Marco. He must have had at least one lab assistant, you know, yeah. <laughs> in a satanic lab. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they do say like they said like your subordinates are doing your work just fine. Yeah. Without you, so interesting. There's definitely other people involved. Certainly. Besides, uh, Marco. Yeah. Did it, maybe it is ongoing, Cosm. You're right because they said that his subordinates are still working. Less that his mm -hmm. subordinates are still doing his job just fine. Using his cookbook. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made myself laugh. <laughs> 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 you know, you got to do the cookie by the book. <laughs> it's going to like run outside with the notes of, on how to make the philosopher's stone and be like, it's a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> Any other things to say about them right now? They're still just being creepy. Um, yeah. Creepy and ominous. Yeah. Saying vague, vague things that don't sound good. <laughs> well, nobody has yet said something that sounds good in this entire story. So... <laughs> The only ones that are hopeful are like Ed now. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
like, we're going to get our bodies back. Yeah. But then every other chapter, it's like, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I enjoyed all the gloom and doom panels that they had with Sheska in that chapter. It was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. I think my favorite was Armstrong coming in, all like, you know, holding the doorknob the, in his hand. Yeah. With yeah. And the doors just completely shattered. Just completely yeah, they even like talk for a second before he breaks in. They're like, mm-hmm. the door's locked. We just need to be quiet. And then he just breaks through the door. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're like, just don't say anything. What do we do? <laughs> I still love Ed's face when he just like glares at Ross and Brosh for, <laughs> for spilling the beans. They're like, we couldn't help it. Yeah. At least they got Cheska a job. As soon as yeah. she was like, I have photographic memory, I was like, oh, they're going to use her to rewrite all the notes from the library, which they did. I was right. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself. I love Hughes just like dragging her out of the room, <laughs> laughing happily. Hughes knows a good deal when he sees it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, can you please get on this right now? I have people to prosecute and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he says, like, the court martialing situation has been busy also. It's like, so there's not enough problems in this fucking city? They've got random people burning stuff down and, like, a serial killer and then also a bunch of military crime? Like, what is happening? <laughs> well, at least the serial killer's not in Central yet. No. he. <laughs> I thought he was, yeah, because he oh, killed he the... Was, right. and then he... Yeah, no, he General started Grand. in Central. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how they knew about him before uh, Mustang did. You're right. You'd think they'd send out an APB, but, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they would just want to solve it in their own jurisdiction so they can get the credit, you know. Yep. <laughs> that's how it works, right? Uh, <laughs> I watch a lot of Law & Order. Listen. Yeah. Well, it does seem like nobody like in the East knew about him until he showed up there, and they're like, yeah, I guess we should tell the people about this uh, serial killer now that it's there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that they would let them know, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. It was nice that in the library we had a non-white person? Question mark. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's nice that there's other representation. You had said before because I was like, oh, we have the one like the character Ishvalan characters described as having like dark skin and whatever, and you were mm-hmm. like, oh, there's other dark skin people in FMA, and I was like, we haven't seen any yet in my head, mm-hmm. but now we did. Yeah, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember when we first saw some. Um... Oh, there might have been some in the background. Because I know there's, yeah, there might be. Because I know there's like, you know, you got like random side characters like yeah. the, the librarian. Yeah. And, uh, I know we've got some like more major that, uh, Rose was coming up. Spoilers. Oh, you think Rose is Ishvalan? Well, because uh, at least in the in the anime, I thought she had like reddish eyes and then she had darker skin. So mm. I always thought that she was, but they never bring it up. And um... yeah, I think that anime kind of like made her dark skin. I know the first one definitely did. Um, I think it was less so in Brotherhood, but she has slightly darker skin though. Or no, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, she doesn't. Yeah, I think she pretty much looks the same. As She's just as pale as Ed. The other characters, yeah. I think that was a, um, in my opinion, somewhat questionable choice of the first. Anime really interesting with what happens to Rose in that anime. <laughs> what happened to her in the anime? I forget. Oh, she gets like raped and goes mute. What? You know, no big deal. I don't just... remember this. <laughs> make the brown girl the yeah 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 no 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 never talks again yeah yeah yes yep <laughs> yeah no yes you're right <laughs> great great yeah <laughs> there's a reason that brotherhood is the better anime <laughs> but yeah anyway regardless with the manga i was just happy there was some other representation which was mm-hmm. nice good this is yeah. from two, the early 2000s too so mm-hmm. that's nice 
yeah, it is nice since this is like supposed to be like sort of an alt Europe or whatever, so you can't even have the like excuse of like, well, it takes place in Japan. So yeah, yeah, it's nice to you know that you know in that time period in that place, someone thought like maybe I should have some other you know ethnicities yeah. show up. Yes, <laughs> or at least just variation in your characters other than hair mm -hmm. color, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that was nice. I appreciated it. I do think that's like even without getting into like you know skin color and hair style and stuff i do think arakawa does a pretty good job of like making her characters distinct mm -hmm. yeah there's nobody who really just looks like a generic anime character mm -hmm. like i know a lot of like uh in anime and other animation you see like it's like oh they all have the same three faces mm -hmm. just with different hair and stuff <laughs> yeah like they all have pretty different like faces and silhouettes and everything so. yeah different different hair style and like kind of face shape and eye shape Mm -hmm. like stuff like that They're... yeah like it's like Roy doesn't look like Ed doesn't look like Armstrong doesn't look like Marco well even <laughs> like um Brosh and Ross they don't look like just generic like you know side characters mm -hmm. or whatever I mean they get they get pulled into the scandal but yeah um even like mm -hmm. the minors yeah, the, the minors all look different <laughs> and stuff so yeah, and like even with the female characters which I think mm -hmm. they're more prone to the like only two faces One face. kind of yes. yeah so <laughs> Yeah, you've got like you mean like the like with Pinako and Rinri, it's like the young woman and the old woman face. Those are the only yeah. faces you get, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like Risa and Lust and Winry and Ross, they all look very different. Yeah, like at a glance, like definitely. Ross also has a beauty mark. Mm -hmm. Nice mm -hmm. touch. Yeah, Winry's face looks different. They yeah, like they they definitely have different distinct looks for sure. Mm -hmm. Which is nice. And Al's a suit of armor. Best representation. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. he doesn't look like anybody. <laughs> I still like how he can look sad. He looks so sad. What was the part? Or like nervous, I think, when they were like, why do you wear a suit of armor? And they're like, it's a hobby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hobby. Yeah. yeah, and like in the scene where they uh, reveal that they found out what the Philosopher's Stone is made of. Like... Yeah, he has his head like in his cover, his hands covering his face or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a very human gesture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's looking down after, too. He's the one who tells them mm -hmm. that they they yeah, translated the, the notes. Like, we did decipher the code, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I also like the difference in their reactions there. Like, they exemplifies the difference between Ed and Al there. Mm -hmm. It's like, Al's just kind of quietly, like, contemplating the horrificness of it while Ed is kind of, like, tantruming a bit. Yeah, he, like, threw the chair, and then he flopped to the mm -hmm. ground. Ed's definitely a toddler in a teenager's body. I do like how they have their, like, again, they go return to the pity party where they are in their room. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assume it's very depressing to realize the only way to... Yeah. What you think of the only way of getting your body back is to have some kind of human sacrifice, but... Mm -hmm. They're yeah, constantly like scene, that. Cause, like, yeah, because, like, you were just talking about how, like, Ed and Al are, like, have mostly been pretty optimistic mm -hmm. throughout the series, so it's kind of, a like, almost a moment of weakness where, like, Ed's like, I'm just tired of this. Yeah. Like, I know he had something to say to Al, and he got interrupted by Armstrong. God damn it, Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Now we'll never know. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. More cliffhangers. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Internal cliffhangers. I know. Well, I don't know. We'll, we won't know for a long time, I'm sure, what mm -hmm. he said. Or maybe it'll be like at the end of their heartfelt reunion, at the end of this battle that's upcoming with the two <laughs> armor. He'll be like, I wanted to tell you that I loved you all this time. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a different kind of manga. <laughs> mm -hmm been reading a lot of shoujo you know <laughs> some sparkles in the background maybe some cherry blossoms out the cherry blossom petals will fall <laughs> abandoned laboratory in the middle of the city. <laughs> there, it looks like there were some scraggly trees in there there could be you never know 
you know, it's like when nature reclaims the abandoned building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An ancient cherry tree sprouted out of the ground. <laughs> it's actually one tiny little sapling and there's like three petals that fall off of it just in time. Yeah. <laughs> actually, isn't there some folklore about like cherry trees growing on top of bodies? Is there? <laughs> I don't know. Should I Google it just for myself? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> That's a rhetorical question I'm Googling as we speak. There's like a dialogue in Animal Crossing where it's like, should I try it on now? That was a rhetorical question. I'm trying it on now or whatever. When you give it to them, I can't remember exactly what it is. <laughs> Japanese horror, corpse under the cherry mm -hmm. blossom. There you go. <laughs> if you bury a body beneath a cherry blossom tree, the tree will feed off of that blood and its flowers will turn red. This is just from like a blog spot. I don't know what I don't know what this is. It's just a horror site or something. Yeah, there's a thing. This is like uh, one famous novel, "Under the Cherry Trees" by Motojiro Kaiji. Uh, skips the beauty part altogether in its introduction and draws a direct correlation between blood and cherry blossoms. According to the novel's opening, dead bodies are buried under cherry blossoms. You have to believe it, otherwise you couldn't possibly explain the beauty of the cherry blossom. I've been restless lately because I couldn't believe in this beauty, but now I finally understand. Dead bodies are buried under the cherry trees. You have to believe it. Okay, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things that like doesn't really have a specific like origin, but it shows up in like anime and stuff sometimes. Weren't there flowers buried, or something was buried under the like hyacinths in, uh, uh, or no, maybe it was chrysanthemum. I for no one of those, <laughs> one of those big flowery bushes in uh, Exocolic. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Nobody here, does. According to TV tropes, <laughs> Japanese symbolism also connects cherry blossoms with death. The famous right. story by that guy <laughs> speculates that cherry blossoms gain their ethereal beauty from dead bodies buried under trees. Anime will sometimes take this further, putting a dead body beneath the cherry blossom and turning the petals pink or deep red. Yes. <laughs> the fact that they last at most two weeks is a more mundane contribution to the symbolism. <laughs> yeah, they look so pretty, but they're gone so soon. Yes. As we've discussed many <laughs> times. <laughs> Anyway, listen. I was going to say, I can't even remember where we started this tangent. So. <laughs> oh, he has something to say to Al. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, our, our shoujo cliche. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, on that long-winded uh, roundabout discussion topic. I'm surprised you remembered that. That was pretty good. <laughs> that's why we keep, that's why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> give you the money from our tickets. Yes, the big bucks for of nothing. <laughs> You mentioned it briefly right at the beginning, how we were talking about when we started talking about the, the you mentioned it briefly, a couple of things that were awful uh, about the escalation of the drama in this story and corruption mm -hmm. in the story. But I think in this case, in these two chapters, we had the theme of sort of like an identity or a lack of identity being explored here in a certain way with the guard, the two guards being reduced to numbers. And also mm -hmm. just, like, nicknames, I guess, too. Like, we don't even know what his 48's yeah. real name was. Mm -hmm. um, and a bunch of other things, but I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the dehumanization yeah, the of prisoners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, like, they're just being treated as, like... Test subjects? Raw materials. Yeah, no, not even. No, yeah. yeah. In this case, raw materials. I guess maybe both, depending on what was happening. Mm -hmm. We don't know the details yet. Yeah. It seems like maybe what happened to forty eight and sixty six is different than the like sacrifices. I would assume for stone, but yeah, I don't know if you can have both. Mm -hmm. Have their yeah, body. The, the soul was a necessary part of the. 
philosopher's stone. I mean, I'm going to make that assumption at this point that you kind of, the reason you need more than one is because you need some kind of like ethereal life energy of some kind to make the philosopher's yeah. stone that would give you the power to not have to yeah. use equivalent material. Yeah, the fact that it's, they multiple times specify that it's living human beings. Yes. Like you can't just like, dig up a corpse and no. yeah. make a philosopher's stone. Yes. At least it doesn't seem. Like that. that is also specified in the, the, it's not like it just says living human beings in English, too. He specifically says living, Ed does, mm -hmm. in the Japanese version, too, at the end that of that yeah. one chapter. So an interesting thing is that, you know, I mean, of course, the, the show revolves around um, equivalent exchange. Yes. It's uh, a theme that, a uh, concept that keeps coming up. Um, and, you know, the Philosopher's Stone is supposed to be the, the thing that helps you, like, human transmute without... Well, just the ability to human transmute. You, you, you need uh, the philosopher's stone, um, and it kind of makes sense, right? Like the the equivalent exchange. It takes human life to create human life, mm -hmm. but honestly, I think it takes more than one human life to create the philosopher's stone. Mm -hmm. um, now, I mm -hmm. guess I don't know how many human transmutations you could do before the the. the well, I don't know if a, if a complete philosopher's stone will run out, but. Um, an incomplete one before it runs out, how many human transmutations can you do with however how many human lives it takes to make one? Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Didn't he say that you need at least five to make a, a perfect one? I don't think they've ever mentioned Is, that. Am I crazy? I don't think it's any. I don't think am it's I, anything. I, maybe I, I just made it up. <laughs> he just said like, yeah. you take multiple Multiple. Victims. Yeah. I don't think he specified Maybe I'm just really, exactly. <laughs> really <laughs> reading into the... Really reading the into the pentagram, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a pentagram. It was a pentagon. Let's be clear. Yes. <laughs> but my suspicion is that it's related. <laughs> well, you know, they, they've they've been able to make incomplete ones, but the the tall order of of making a a, a real one it's an impossible task. You know, perhaps five five people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all in one place at one time. They must have had more than five prisoners. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, like, five bloody spots on the transmutation circle. This is what but, I'm you know, saying. They could put more than one person on each circle. <laughs> <laughs> they could just put the transmutation circle under the prison and then yeah. transmute all of them. Transmute all of them. I think they might notice that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> horrible like, things wow, have happened prisoner... in human history. But <laughs> yeah, It's like all their prisoners disappeared in this flash of horrible light. What happened? <laughs> Or they just kind of whistle and look the other way, depending on how. Yeah. Like if it goes all the way to the top, if the Fuhrer president gets his own, <laughs> his own philosopher's stone, does he care? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If a prison falls in the forest, does it make a sound? <laughs> <laughs> Another thought on the uh, whole dehumanization thing, even without the like being used as ingredients for the philosopher's stone, the fact that. Like the bodies aren't returned to right. families. That's true. Yeah, it's pretty fucked that up. That doesn't happen today, does it? I'm scared to ask. <laughs> <laughs> they get buried, don't they? Like, come on, come on, come on. I think they're supposed to. I make no promises on. There's probably unclean well bodies and stuff too, like. for sure. I don't. This is why I'm saying I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. But it seems to be like, like a matter of fact thing. Like, Ed it's knew, like, and he's like yeah, 15. Bodies aren't yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, bodies aren't returned to the families when they're executed. So, yeah, that's also an like added even, horror. Yeah, like even without the like sinister philosopher's stone stuff, it's like that on its own is pretty like 
dehumanizing and horrible. I mean, it seems like they're processing a bunch of, like, war crimes and stuff. Like, who knows what's going mm-hmm. on? If the court martial yeah. office is busy, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is possible. It's like... Well, it's after the Civil War. Like, yeah, I'm just saying. Long after the Civil War, yeah. And there's some kind of backlog of notes. What, yeah, Chris makes you wonder what they consider war crimes <laughs> since they on the genocide. There's no, like, Geneva Convention in Amestris. Like, <laughs> like, guess not. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> but, like, they... But, like... That it's not like the notes were like that modern. They were all in the library that got burned. Like, what's her face, Cheska? It's implied that she had enough time to read them. Like, mm-hmm. is there some kind of backlog in processing? Like, I don't know. I'm sure court martial investigations would take a long time if there was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. Th- overthinking it. <laughs> Except not because they were transmuting people into stones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question maybe everything. A for a reason. Yeah, really. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe the prison was full until the prisoners yeah. started disappearing one by one. <laughs> like, wow, there's so much room in our prisons. Whoa. We should arrest more people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep, gotta keep the prison, uh, the prison pipeline. There are going. no punches pulled. <laughs> There are no, there is no holding back from Arakawa. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's subtle. You don't think that it's happening when you're reading it, and then you think about it for a second, and you're like, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just the fact that Ed knows that is like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's casual knowledge that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Like just reading it through like this, it's like. It's like if I were to like classify like sections of Full Alchemist, I would say that the beginning is still like the quote unquote lighthearted yeah, section. I know. But mm-hmm. it's like we're on chapter 10 and we're at human sacrifice. Right. So. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's why I'm like, did I forget? Did I purposely block yeah. <laughs> this out? I guess it's possible that I didn't read this chapter. Like maybe I skipped into the middle or something, but mm. I haven't watched one of the series, but which would have been stupid in je- anyway, because it sounds like from what we were talking about before, the uh, anime is quite different. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Yep. Great. Good. <laughs> Anyone got uh, <laughs> any other topics? For I discussion? have to go cry. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see what happens next time with our cliffhanger. Who's going to get mm-hmm. chopped? Who will chop whom? Yeah. <laughs> Will the chopper be chopped or the slicer be sliced rather, I guess? <laughs> well, the other one said he was going to go chop him to bits, right? So chop out of this, yes. you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's got a cleaver. I can I think we can safely assume. He's a chopper. Chopping is going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the chopper to chop off your head. Yeah. That's a poem. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> suit of ar- enchanted suit of armor versus enchanted suit of armor. Yeah, that's right. I mm-hmm. said enchanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically magic (laughs) and it's like there are rules but it's like yeah the metal and the blood yeah that's how it works Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so your soul is tied to a couple ounces of blood like (laughs) yep (laughs) okay well I accept (laughs) (laughs) like didn't you learn that in uh, biology yeah right after we learned about the five humors (laughs) yes (laughs) yep <laughs> the uh, you know the elements of uh, metal, wood, 
air and <laughs> and fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My notebook for sacred geometry needs is probably out of date now. I mean, it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> okay no i don't have any other things to yeah, say yeah. <laughs> cause do you have any other right. things to say no i don't think so <laughs> okay all righty well next week we will be reading chapters 12 and 13 whoa sounds good yep. was it spooky yep. enough this episode government corruption is it spooky was... <laughs> yeah it wasn't unspooky. no it wasn't <laughs> well if you think about it they're in a building it's abandoned Yes. And it's haunted by people who have been dead. Yeah, there's no yeah, people who have been dead. <laughs> they're basically ghosts, right? Yeah, they're yeah. just a soul. It's a soul in an arm suit of armor. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's basically it's basically a haunted house. Story. Does that make Al a ghost? <laughs> yes. I have He's more a, questions than answers. A robot ghost. A robot ghost. He's like Casper, you know. <laughs> good one. I guess Casper can go into a thing. Ghosts can go into a things and move things around. They often do mm-hmm. in, in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> are you telling me ghosts aren't real? Are you no, saying my biology notes are wrong? I they do when I play ghost, tr- ghost trick. <laughs> ghost trick? Oh. It's a game. <laughs> do you... You play a ghost and you go into objects and manipulate them. That sounds fun. It is fun. I thought you were going to make a ghost chips joke. <laughs> I don't want ghost, ghost chips. Ghost <laughs> Yeah, you anyway, Cosmo, you're right. It's a haunted a haunted an abandoned building in a haunted house. There's also a, clearly at a sacrificial altar, so it's yeah. actually like a what was it called? The cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We just got to play like uh, spooky sounds volume 7 or something and <laughs> then it's basically basically a haunted house. Insert wind whistling noise and wolf howl and yeah. chains <laughs> clanking here. I mean, there's creaking spooky... door hinges. Yeah. <laughs> Like the opening of Thriller? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Yes, thank you for listening. We'll see you then. See ya. Bye. 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 <laughs>